give Johnny Jernigan a great big turning point welcome. Come on up, Johnny. Would you remain standing? Can everybody stand with me, please, all over the sanctuary? I am standing, even though it doesn't look like it, all right? I'm going to be tall when I get to heaven. Hallelujah. Can we give Jesus the greatest shout of praise we can today? Father, we bless you. We exalt you. We magnify you. Amen. Remain standing if you would. Everybody smile big. Let me see all your teeth. Make this faith declaration out loud. Come on, say it loud. Say, I believe that God wants me to win. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, I believe that God wants me to win. Now, how many know if you tell a lie long enough, you'll believe it? Come on. And how many know if you tell the truth long enough, you'll believe it? Yes. And I just want you to know this, that God truly wants you to win today. He's not mad at you. He doesn't hate you. He loves you. And He wants you to win in every area of your life. I say this every time before I preach God's holy word. God doesn't just want you to win in your faith. He wants you to win in every aspect of your life, in your health, in your family, in your business, in your finances. Jesus is not coming back for a bunch of losers. Hallelujah. He's coming back for a victorious church, a triumphant church, a winning church. Amen. And I truly, I just want to declare to you, God wants you to win. If you believe that, say, I believe. It is an honor to be here. Uh, I, I love Pastor Jeff because... I love him because he's tall, and I love him because of his hair. Man, I wish I had that much hair. And that brother right there, listen, that is not fair that that man could be that old and have that much hair. I don't like you, uh, and, but uh, look at what God's done. Uh, I'm from Alabama. Everybody say Alabama. Doesn't that make you feel better just to say it? Come on. And uh, it is always my delight. Uh, anytime I, uh, after being here this past April, Man, I want to come here as often as Pastor Jeff will be here. As a matter of fact, you should adopt me as your staff evangelist. So all in favor, say aye. All opposed, and it carries. Hallelujah. Well, you just voted me in. Amen. It is an honor to be here. My name's Johnny, but I don't know all of you. So on the count of three, would everybody tell me your name as loud as you can? Here we go. One, two, three. Now I know everybody. All right. Hey, I want us to pray for two things. First of all, I want us to pray for God's anointing. Everyone say God's anointing. I want you to know what I'm about to share with you. I believe that if Jesus was here, this is what Jesus would say to you. We're living in a, in a very, very crisis time, both, both politically and even yesterday, how quickly we saw something. We as Americans have no context of war because it's never happened here. There's never been a foreign invasion here since we became a nation. And so we have no context of the fear and the anger and the frustration but at the same time, we're about to be drawn into some of these things because of our alliance with Israel. So we must hear the word of the Lord and what God is saying. So I need you to pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to come today, far beyond a sermon, that we won't just listen, we'll hear. Amen? And here's the rules. I preach much shorter when you preach with me. So here's the rules. If I say something that sounds good, you say, Amen, Hallelujah, that was good. If I say something you don't like, you say, Amen, Hallelujah, that was good. All right? In the next three hours, I know God has something supernatural. Hallelujah. <laughs> no, the Bible says, Blessed are the brief, for they shall be heard again. All right? We want you to be back tonight. Second thing I want us to pray for is an open heart. Everybody say, an open heart. Listen, I don't know everything today, but neither do you. And if you think you do, you might as well slip on out because God can't do anything for you. But if you'll open your heart for every broken place in your life, 
for every hurt in your heart, for every pressure that's against you. The God of the universe wants to wrap His love around you that you'll be different and you'll say, God is for me. Can you believe God for that? Can we lift our hands to heaven right now? Can we ask for that anointing? Or if you just want to bow your heads and pray, come on, would you pray with me? Father, we're asking to now, Lord, uh, right now, God, today, with Pastor Jeff and the vision of this house, that your anointing would come in power today. Lord, lift me above my ability. Lord, if I say the wrong thing, let your people hear the right thing. And Lord, we believe for miracles and signs and wonders in this house today, oh God, because we are in your presence where two or three are gathered together in your name. There you are in the midst of them. So Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you're saying in this critical time. And Lord, when we leave in just a little while, may we leave built up and edified and strengthened and better than we were when we came in. And we're careful to give you the praise and the glory for you alone, King Jesus, are worthy. And we ask this all in that name. And if you agree, everybody say amen. Hey, before you're seated, would you look at the person next to you right in the eyes and say, man, you look good today. Tell them just like that, would you? You can be seated. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles with you, if you'd just go ahead and open those to the book of Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14 and beginning in verse 15. We'll be reading that passage of Scripture in just a moment. Luke chapter 14 and beginning in verse 15. While you're turning on your Bibles or your devices, uh, let me tell you that on your way out today there are tickets for the drama that we'll be sharing tonight. Listen, the Longhorns just lost yesterday and the Cowboys probably will tonight. So, I didn't make any friends. All right. Uh, so, it's just more important than a football game. And we, we want the Cowboys to win. And, uh, but but here's, here's what I'm asking you to do. How many of you know somebody who's not a Christian? Hold your hand up real quick. Hold your hand up. Take one of these. Give it to them. It's, it's a free event, but when you print tickets, people are a little more responsible for it. We'll be giving away some prizes tonight, uh, just uh, having uh, just uh, gifts to give away. And how many of you know some people will just almost sell their children to win a free prize? And so we'll be giving some prizes away. This is called Unfinished. We're going to look at the magic kingdom, we're going to look at the tragic kingdom, and we're going to look at the real kingdom. And we're believing lives will be impacted tonight. And these are not, uh, the, uh, the people of your church are the cast of the drama. And so you'll come and support them, and we need you back tonight, and it's going to be a great, great time. So everybody smile and say, I love the little preacher. I think he's a sweet little man. All right, I hope you do. It was a gathering just like this that the people weren't really paying attention and so the, the pastor wanted to get their attention, so he piped up and he said, the best years of my life were spent in the arms of another man's wife. And the people were shocked and their eyes got real big. And he said, that woman was my mother. <laughs> Everybody said, oh, that's really funny. Well, there was a guest speaker who was there that day, a uh, guest minister, and he said, you know, the next time the people aren't paying attention, I'm going to use that joke. So several weeks passed. He was in his pulpit and the people weren't paying attention. So he, he said, I'm going to use that joke. He said, the best years of my life were spent in the arms of another man's wife. And just like before, before the people were shocked, their eyes got real big. And then he said he forgot the punchline. Right. And he said, and for the life of me, I can't remember what her name was. All right. Now, how many of you know that will get you in trouble? Come on, somebody. I need you to pay attention today. And I want you to pay attention to what we're going to share. I want to share a message with you this morning that I believe if Jesus was here this is what he would say. The parable we're about to read in the book of Luke is a story that Jesus always was telling stories so that we could understand the principle that he was trying to teach. 
And in this parable, he's painting a picture of the end of time and what things will look like, that there will be wars and there will be rumors of wars. Yesterday, when we woke up, we had no idea that the Middle East would be in the crisis that it's in, that just that quick things shifted and things are happening. As a matter of fact, as Pastor referred to that just a moment ago, if you call the United Nations, they'll tell you this, there are over 70 different conflicts happening around the world while we're sitting in this room this morning. And that's just one of them happening in Israel today. And the Bible says the end of time you would see these things happening. The Bible also said there would be famine. Do you know that last year, and the United Nations will tell you this, and the World Health Organization, that more people starved to death from, uh, uh, from starvation around the world than any other time in recorded history. And we have more ways to get food to people today than any time in human history with planes and trains and ships and vehicles. And yet, because of the wars, the food can't get to the people in the crisis situations. The Bible says there would be earthquakes and natural disasters. And we're seeing these earthquakes that are causing these tsunamis in different parts of the world. And these earthquakes that are going into places that a hurricane came into California for the first time in our nation's history just a few weeks ago. The Bible says at the end of time, these will be signs of the coming of the Son of Man. And while we're sitting here, every major prophecy in the Bible has been fulfilled except the, the return of Jesus and the battle of Armageddon. And we are at that door. We have to believe that since the pandemic, we've watched things ratchet up to new levels and things are changing so rapidly. Come on, is that right? That we never thought that we'd see these things happening in our country. What is happening? We believe that God is screaming to the earth that the end of time is close. And I want to read a passage of scripture to you. In this story that Jesus is painting a picture of what the end of time would look like. In Luke chapter 14 and beginning of verse 15. And I'm going to read off the screen and I'd like for you to read with me. Can we just, I love it when you read with me. I love it when we read the word of God together. Can you read this? Come on, say it with me. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests and at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. Everyone say excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. No explanation needed. The next verse says this. Read with me. The servant came back and reported this to his master. And then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant to go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. And I want you to read this one out loud with me. Come on, say it loud. Then he told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. There was something on the mind of Jesus as he was speaking that day that he wanted his house, what? Full. He wanted it that everyone would be invited into the house of the Lord. And he paints this picture in this word story that he gives of this great banquet that everyone is invited and everybody can come and sit at the table of the Lord. 
In other words, what Jesus was saying is that through my death, my burial, and my resurrection, I'm going to give an invitation to everyone, whosoever will, call on the name of the Lord, and you can be saved, and you can sit at the table of the Lord. But the Bible says they all alike began to make excuses. How many of you, would you be honest with me, that you have, you have given someone an excuse before and you knew you were giving them an excuse? Would you hold your hand up so I can see it? Okay, can I ask you one more question? How many of you, like me, have ever had someone else give you an excuse and you knew they were giving you an excuse? Would you hold your hand up so I can see it? Okay, what I'm about to tell you is a true story. This happened to me when I was in high school, when I was a, a, a sophomore in high school in the 10th grade. We were getting ready for our big homecoming football game. And how many know that's the big game of the year where the girls wear those big old flowers and the guys get all dressed up because they want that special date? And there was a young lady in my school who was a freshman, and she was going to be our freshman homecoming representative, and she was so beautiful that when she would walk by me, my heart would just beat out of my chest. And I, I, I began to perspire. I couldn't talk because she was just so beautiful. But I wanted to escort her for this game. So I started hanging around Lynn. And I carried her books to class for her. I sat with her in the cafeteria. I, I wrote a letter, and I'm ashamed to say that I did this, but I wrote her a letter and I sprayed, sprayed cologne on it because I saw that in a movie. And I am ashamed I did do that. And, and, I, I, and I sent her flowers. And finally the big day came when Lynn looked at me and she said, Johnny, would you escort me for our homecoming football game? And I said, yes, I'd love to. Because it was the first chance that I'd ever had to wear my three-piece blue corduroy suit. Anybody remember the original bell bottoms? Come on. It took five minutes for the back to catch up with the front, you know, with every step that you took. All right. And so I had my brand new three-piece blue corduroy suit. She had her big flower. And we were at Ladd Memorial Stadium in Mobile, Alabama. We were playing our arch rival, Murphy. And there were about 10,000 people in the stands that night. Uh, for this high school football game. And at halftime, they called the homecoming court to w walk across midfield. And she was a freshman, and her name started with a B, Bethay. So we were the first ones they called out. And I'll never forget it. It was almost like they said, my name louder than anybody else's that night, at least to me. It was almost like they said, Lynn Bethay, escorted by Johnny Jernigan in his three-piece blue corduroy suit. And so I escort her across the field. And that after the game, we went to our gymnasium at our high school for our homecoming dance. Anybody remember that? And I'll never forget it. It was so awesome. My arms were around her. <laughs> her arms were around me. And we were just swaying to the music. Can anybody sway with me a little bit? Come on. Can you just sway a little bit? And we were just swaying to the music and everything is so wonderful. Then all of a sudden, she whispered in my ear and she said, well, Johnny, I have to tell you something. I said, what is it, Lynn? She said, well, I have to tell you that. Well, I have to tell you that I can't go out with you anymore. And I said, what do you mean, woman? You can't go out with me anymore. You got on your big flower. I got my brand new suit on. What are you talking about? You can't go out with me anymore. She said, well, the reason I can't go out with you is because, well, the reason I can't go out with you is because I'm dying. I said, what? She said, yes, I've got this thing growing on my brain. The doctors have only given me three months to live. I can't talk to you anymore. I can't see you anymore. I can't go out with you anymore. Tears started rolling down her face. She ran to the end of the gymnasium with all of her friends. And, and, she's tell, and they're standing there. And, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm in a panic because you don't know, normally hear when you're dancing with someone that they're dying of a brain tumor. And so I chased her to the end of the gymnasium. I said, Lynn, what are you talking about? She says, no, I've got this thing growing on my brain. The doctors have only given me three months to live. I can't see you anymore. I can't talk to you anymore. I can't go out with you anymore. 
For the next three months, I went by her house and she never came to the door. For the next three months, I called her on the phone. She didn't take any of my phone calls. For the next three months, I wrote a letter. She didn't answer any of my letters. And after six months, I noticed Lynn was still looking very, very healthy. And then I found out she was building a heavy-duty industrial strength relationship with one of the star football players on our football team. She dumped me with the excuse she was dying. <laughs> Ladies, that's just a little bit drastic, all right? I mean, all she had to do was say, eat dirt and die. I would have left her alone, but no, the heifer told me she was dying. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's the worst excuse I have ever heard in my life. And you got to know in Alabama, heifer is a term of endearment, all right? And so, so I... <laughs> And this happened over 40 years ago, and I still see her in Mobile, Alabama sometimes. And I always ask her, hey, Lynn, how do you feel today? (laughs) And i got to be honest, I'm really glad I never married her. She's ugly as a mud fence. I'm just telling you the truth. The years have not been kind. Now, that is a very, very true story that happened to me when I was in high school. That's the worst excuse I've ever heard in my life. In this parable... Jesus is inviting them to come and feast at the table with the King of Kings. Can you even imagine that we can sit at the table with our King and feast with Him? Let's say it like this. What if uh, King Charles sent you a letter this afternoon uh, by Federal Express and round-trip first-class tickets for you and your family to come to Buckingham Palace and sit down with all of the family there in Buckingham and hear about all things that they're doing, all expenses paid for the next three days, that you can hear all that's happening with Harry and Meghan, and you can hear about all that's happening there with uh, King Charles. How many believe if you got those tickets in the mail, you'd find a way to get there? Come on. If you didn't raise your hand, you're lying, all right? But almost all of us would do that. Look at me if you would. Jesus was inviting them to sit at a table with far more than just a mere king. He was sitting, inviting them to come and sit with the God of the universe, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the Bible says they all had excuses. Jesus was saying everything's prepared. Everyone's invited. So he tells his servant, go quickly now. It's a beautiful banquet and invite everybody to come. And, and, and so how many of you know if the Bible says it was a great banquet, it was probably a great banquet. I can only imagine, and what the word picture here, I'm sure there's 45-pound butterball turkeys and corn on the cob and black-eyed peas and fried okra and cranberry sauce, but you don't have to eat that, and pecan pie and apple pie and Coke and bread and tea. So he tells his servant, everyone's invited to the table, go and invite them. So the servant goes to the first person, he says, hey, a 45-pound butterball turkey, corn on, the co- corn on the cob, black-eyed peas, fried okra, cranberry sauce, but you don't have to eat that, pecan pie, apple pie, Coke, and bread, and tea. And the first person said, well, I- I- I'm not going to be able to make it, please excuse me, I just bought a field and i got to go and see it, so I will not be able to make the banquet, I- I- will you excuse me? Now, how many of you would buy a piece of property you've never seen before? Don't, don't raise your hand if you would. That is serious dang bramage, serious dang bramage, and not a quality decision for a piece of property you're trying to purchase. So the servant goes to the second person, the Bible tells us, and it says 45-pound butterball turkeys, corn on the cob, black-eyed peas, fried okra, cranberry sauce, but you don't have to eat that, pecan pie, apple pie, Coke, and bread, and tea. And the second person said, well, I'd like to come, but I'm not going to be able to make it to the banquet. I just bought five cows, and i got to go and try them out. Please excuse me. Now, how many of you would buy a car you've never driven before? Don't raise your hand if you would. That is serious dang bramage. 
Serious, I know it's brain damage. That's serious brain, brain damage and not a quality choice of a vehicle that you're trying to purchase. So the servant goes to the third person. 45-pound butterball turkeys, corn on the cob, black-eyed peas, fried okra. Cran- Does anybody like cranberry sauce? Uh, you don't have to eat that. Pecan pie, apple pie, Coke and bread and tea. You're invited. And the third person said, I just got married and my wife's making me clean the house. She's making me build a new addition to the house and she's got me right there making me do all the things a married man has to do. And all the married men say, there's a few brave ones. All right. All of these were invited to the table with the king, but they were much more interested in staying home with their cattle. They were much more interested in staying home with their spouse. They were much more interested in going looking at their newly acquired property than they were that feasting at the house of God. I want you to understand the same thing is happening in America today. That they, th- they made three fundamental mistakes that Jesus is saying, come to me, you who are weary, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Find your rest at the table of the Lord. That every one of us sitting in this room, or if you're watching online, God says, you have a table at the, uh, uh, you have a seat at the table of the Lord. And every need of your life, I am able to meet if you will come and sit at the table of the Lord. Yes? But they made three mistakes in this passage. And the three mistakes they made was, number one, they had excuses. Everyone say excuses. The second mistake they made was they had empty expectations. Everyone say empty. The third mistake that they made was they became the wrong example. Everyone say example. The Bible tells us that they all alike began to make excuses. Would you look at me for just a moment? Can I tell you that the devil will use every dumb, silly, ridiculous, stupid excuse to tell you what God cannot do in your life? Because the Bible says that Satan is the father of lies. Somebody said, how do you know if the devil's lying if his lips are moving? Because he cannot tell you the truth. It's impossible for him to tell you the truth. And he will always whisper in our ear. And I don't know if this happens for any of you, but it certainly, certainly happens to me. And often late at night, that those accusations and the attacks of the enemy, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you don't have enough, you'll never be enough, you've made too many mistakes, God will never use you, He can use other people, but it'll never happen for you. Anybody else ever heard those lies in your ears before? And the enemy comes to use that what we've done. You've made too many mistakes. You've done too many things wrong. And there's not one of us sitting in this room right now that wishes we couldn't go back and change some of the decisions that we've made. Yes? Unfortunately, we can never go back and change those things. The only thing that we can do is starting right now and moving forward is say, God, break the chains of blaming somebody else for what I've done in my past. I take responsibility for what I've done. Because I want you to know when we stand before our eternal God, you won't be able to blame your mom. You won't be able to blame your dad. You won't be able to blame the police. You won't be able to blame the church. We will all stand before God and our excuses will not give us entrance into the kingdom of God. Come on. Do you still love me? And so I want you to understand the enemy is very, very good that you don't have enough. You're not good enough. You're not tall enough. I've heard that my whole life. A long time ago, I stopped worrying about what somebody else thinks about me. I mean, look at my hairline. God's been good to me. He gave me one face and he cleared off a spot for another one. Hallelujah. Amen. You too, brother. Hallelujah. Amen. The Lord has been so good to me. So I'm not worried about Sister Smell Fungus, or Brother Dry as a Bone, or Sister Bucket Mouth, or Brother Rigamortis. They're always going to say whatever they say. I'm not worried about them. 
Because the enemy and people sometimes will do their very best. Misery loves company. And they always want to beat you down. Some people aren't happy until you're as beat down, depressed, and suicidal as they are. Because the enemy wants to convince you you'll never make it. God can't use you. Your family will never get saved because of the things you've done wrong. You've tried to serve God. You've fallen down again and again. It'll never happen for you. Anybody else heard those lies? He uses every excuse. I'll never forget years ago I was a youth pastor in Alabama. And we had a, a pretty large youth group in our church. It was a larger church. And we had uh, several hundred students coming into our gymnasium. And, and there was a young lady that came to our church. Her name... Uh, was Jennifer. She was a wonderful, wonderful young lady. And they used to live in Montgomery, Alabama. Her dad was an executive with IBM Computers. Now that's way back, old, uh, big blue, the, before Macintosh and before Apple was out, there were IBM Computers. He was an executive with them. He made a bad decision and it cost that company millions of dollars and they fired him. He became so depressed that he could no longer work and they lost everything. They lost their home. They lost their possessions. They lost their cars. They lost everything. They had a family in Mobile, my hometown, Alabama. And so they moved to Mobile and they came to our church. And she was such a champion that her mother was working two jobs. And she said, I'm 16 years old and I can do something to help my family. So she got a job at a place called Quincy Steakhouse. It's a steakhouse in that region. It used to be a national chain. And there were some days that she would make $400 a day in tips. And she would bring her money home. She'd put it in a shoebox at work. And she'd bring it home and say, Mom, this is to help pay the bills for our family. And she did that again and again and again. She graduated from high school. She got, got a full scholarship at the University of Alabama. She got a degree in accounting, is a wonderful CPA, married to the judge in the city of Birmingham today, and she is working for a, a big eight firm there. And never one time did Jennifer, did I ever hear her say, well, the reason there's problems in my life is because my dad became depressed. The reasons that I've done the things I've done is because of what my family put me through. The reason I'm the way I am is because of what they did to me. Never one time did she do that. I want you to know, when we stand before God, we're not going to get to blame anybody else behind us. It's going to be, what about you? What about your relationship? What did you do with Jesus? And what did you do with the kingdom of God? They all had excuses. They were much more interested in their spouse. They were much more interested in their property. They were much more interested in their, in, in their cattle than they were at feasting at the table of the Lord. Jesus extends an invitation to you today to stop living in your past, stop living in your brokenness, and stop living in your mistakes. Start over today and say, I'm breaking the chains for the excuses for doing those drugs or drinking those drinks or partying the way I party because of what my family has put me through. God says you can start over today. Today is a new beginning. It's a new opportunity. And it starts, he says, I make all things new. Hallelujah. What excuse is stopping you? What excuse is the enemy holding on to you and saying, God can't do it with you because of this or this or this? Break the excuses. They all had excuses and they lost their place at the banquet. The second mistake they made in this parable was, the Bible says, obviously, they had very empty expectations. Empty expectations. Everyone say empty. They obviously just didn't expect very much from this banquet. They just didn't think much was going to happen. And I want you to understand, if you expect nothing, you'll get it every time. Nothing. 
And it was all based on their expectation because here the king is inviting them to sit at the table, but their property, their cattle, and their spouse get in the way, and those things are more important. They just didn't have much expectation for what was going to happen in that banquet. I see the same thing all across the country. The only difference between you and me is perspective. I'm in different cities every week. I was in Sioux Falls, South Dakota a few weeks ago and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania the week before that, then in Akron, Ohio, and last week in Huntsville, Alabama. And so I'm in just in different cities. And I see this all over the country that there's just such little expectation that God is going to do anything in the house. Can y'all scoot over a little bit? And see, we, got, we think we got this whole church thing figured out. We think we got the whole church thing figured out. We're going to come in and we're going to sing some songs. And, and then we're going to make some announcements. And then we're going to receive the offering. Because there's three things you can count on in life. That's life and death. And the offering will be taken. Hallelujah. And then we're going to, somebody's going to scream at us through a microphone. And then before we leave, we know they're going to tell us to come to the front. And I watch this all over America. That when people start coming to the altar, they just kind of start dragging down. <laughs> They're like, dear God, God, it's almost noon and I'm starving to death, God. <laughs> when will that little fat preacher ever shut up, God? <laughs> Make him shut up, God, so we can leave. And then you know what happens? When we dismiss, everybody jumps up and they skip out and they have a time like they're ready for the rest of the day. And you know what everybody does? They go out and stand in the foyer and talk for another hour. Because their expectation is so little. And I can see it on some of your faces right now that you're like, how long is this service going to last? How long do we have to be here? And do you know what? We watch football games for hours. We watch movies for hours. This generation of young people binge watches 30 hours on Netflix. What is wrong with staying in the house of God for an extended period of time that the rain just keeps pouring and keeps pouring and keeps pouring and washing out all the mistakes, washing out all the hurt, washing out all the pain? And you know what? We say, God, you can do anything you want to as long as you'll do it by 1230. And I want you to understand, if you expect nothing, you'll get it every time. God can heal you today. God can provide for you today. God can break every enemy off of you and every addiction. We were singing it about a lot until every dark addiction starts to break. God can break that off of you today. You don't have to be the same way when you leave if you'll just expect that the God of the universe is concerned about you. Yes? Everybody hit somebody next to you and say, He's talking to you. Hit somebody next to you and say, He's talking to you. I was in a Benny Hinn crusade. Uh, many, many years ago, regardless of what you think of Benny Hinn, let me tell my story for a moment. Uh, he, he used to do great healing crusades and was God really used him in the healing ministry. He no longer does that, and it's for a good reason. And if you'd like to know after the service, I'll be happy to tell you why, but it's a good reason. I'll never forget as he was in our city of Mobile, Alabama, there were 10,000 people in our civic center that night and a 400-voice choir in robes and it was just angelic as they would sing those songs. And you just sense the very presence of God as they're just singing those songs. And Benny Hinn was not even on the platform. And my wife and I were sitting in the minister's section. And uh, there was a woman who had driven from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to Mobile, Alabama. That's about a three-and-a-half-hour drive. And she was sitting in the minister's section with her son. And I'll never forget, he had an oxygen tank and a breathing mask. He had cystic fibrosis. And I'll never forget, you could hear every breath that child took. And I'll never forget, as they were worshiping that day, the, uh, the mother put her arm around her little boy. And she said, son, 
We've driven three and a half hours for a miracle, and we're not leaving Mobile, Alabama without a miracle. Benny Hinn wasn't even on the platform. The next voice in a few moments you heard was Benny Hinn. And he stepped out. He said, the Lord is present to heal. If you believe the Lord is healing you, run to the platform and tell us what God is doing for you. And they started coming from all over that arena. Then he started calling out diseases and he called out cystic fibrosis. And the little boy in front of me, I'll never forget it. He ripped his mask off. He said, Mama, Mama, I think it's me. I feel something burning in my chest. I think it's me, Mama. And it took off running in front of 10,000 people. And his mama took off running right behind him. And I took off running right behind her. I wanted to see what God was going to do. And Benny Hinn called him up on the platform. And he said, what is God doing for you? He said, I can breathe, Brother Benny. I, for the first time in my life, I can breathe. And he laid his hand on him. And he, he fell on the platform in what we call falling under the power of God, which we believe in. And I said, God, are you really healing this boy? Or is this just some Pentecostal thing that we do so people will get excited? So you know what I did? I followed that boy the rest of that night. I wouldn't let him get out of my sight. And can I tell you what he did? He left that place doing exactly what happened every time Jesus touched somebody in the Bible and healed them, dancing and leaping for joy. He left his oxygen tank in the minister's section and he left that place healed that night. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Can I tell you this? I believe it, it had very little, if nothing, to do with Benny Hinn. I think it had everything to do with a mama's expectation that said, God, if you don't heal anybody else, if nobody else gets a miracle, God, if nobody else gets a miracle, God, I need one for my son. And if we will come to the Father that way, God, I'm believing you can touch my marriage. God, I'm believing you can touch my finances. God, I'm believing you can touch my business. God, I'm believing you can touch my relationships. If you expect the power of God, can I tell you, He'll show up every time. If you ask, it will be given. If you seek, you will. Fine. If you knock, the door will be. It's up to me to do the asking, the seeking, and the knocking. If you expect nothing, you'll get it every time. Expect right now that the God of the universe can move into your circumstances and breathe over you and change can take place today. Right now, here. The third mistake they made in this parable, not only have excuses, not only do they have empty expectations, but the Bible tells us they became the wrong example. Everybody say example. The Bible uses this little throwaway line. It says, they lost their place at the banquet. I thought about that. Does that mean they lost it for an hour? Does that mean they lost it for a day? Does that mean they lost it for a week? The inference is they lost it forever. Let me try to paint a picture for you for forever. We're very time-conscious people. Americans are driven by the clock. Eternity is like a bird that flies over here to Galveston uh, down at the beach and grabs one grain of sand in its beak. And it turns and flies all the way to Los Angeles, California. Would everybody fly with me? Come on. And it drops that grain of sand onto the beaches of Los Angeles, California. Then it turns, flies back to Galveston. Will you fly back with me? Come on. And it grabs another grain of sand in its beak down in Galveston. And it turns and flies back all the way to Los Angeles. Can you do it with me one last time? Come on, indulge me. Come on. That's a wounded bird right there. That's only one wing, all right? By the time that bird removes every grain of sand on the beaches of Galveston, one grain of sand at a time, from Galveston to Los Angeles, California, by the time he removes every grain of sand from the beaches there in South Texas onto the beaches of Los Angeles, Los Angeles California, one grain of sand at a time, that is the beginning, the beginning of eternity. Eternity is a long time. 
Eternity in hell will be even longer. So what happened at the banquet? The Bible says the master became angry. He said, all right, they've lost their place at the banquet. I want you to go in and bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And so they went out and they brought in the, the they brought them probably in on stretchers and on crutches. Probably flies flying around them because of the, the smell that was around them. And they brought them and set them at this beautiful banquet. But then he says, there's still room. What do you want us to do? And the master said, go into the highways and hedges and compel them, the streets and alleys of the town, and compel them. Everybody say compel. It's a very, very strong word. Compel them to come in so that my house will be full. The word compel means do whatever is necessary to influence. Do whatever is necessary to persuade. Do whatever is necessary to convince someone that they will be a part of that. And so you might not know all the theology of God's word. You might not know all the truth in the gospel. But every person can do what I'm about to show you. See, the Bible says go out and get them and compel them to come into the house of God. Before, can you come help me for a minute? Mm-hmm. Would you just bend over my shoulder? And he said, go get them and bring them into the house of God so that my house will be full. Yes? You just stay right there. And see, you don't, you don't have to know all the theology of God's Word, but God says go get them and compel them. Would you come with me, sir? Yes, hallelujah. Would you bend over my shoulder? He's a little bigger than I thought he was. Hallelujah. Yeah. Pray for these knees. And we don't have to just go for the small ones. We can go for the big ones too. Come on. Because the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Brother Mustache, can you help me? No, not you, the one behind you. Yeah. Can you help me? You just walk. Hallelujah. (laughs) You just walk. Hallelujah. I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. Hallelujah. See, the Bible says go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in so that the house of God will be full. And every one of us sitting in this room right now knows somebody who needs Jesus. Every one of us sitting in this room right now knows somebody who needs Jesus. And I'll never forget years ago, I was in the Outer Banks of North Carolina, and we were preaching on bringing people to Christ. There was a woman who said, I'm so glad you said drag them in the house of God. And and she said, my son was a crack addict from crack cocaine. And she said, every night was passed out in front of our television. And I was sick of what drugs were doing to him. And I went to church on a Sunday morning, and, and the pastor said, God can heal anybody. God can deliver anybody. God can help everybody. She said, I went home that afternoon, and my son was passed out in our living room in front of our television from the crack cocaine, the party the night before. So she said, I tied his hands up. I tied his feet up. And she said, I drug him to the back seat of our car. She drove to the church at the evening service, And she came to the side door and she drug him into the sanctuary and laid him down in the altar right in front of the pulpit where the pastor was preaching. And he said, what are you doing? She said, you said this morning God can heal anybody. And I'm sick of the drugs in my household. We've got to have a miracle. So the pastor being a loving pastor, just like Pastor Jeff, He said, let's pray. And the worship team came and they began to sing the songs of healing and the songs of deliverance and the songs about the blood. And after 30 minutes, they said the power of God came in that room. He sobered up. He got saved. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that boy is a Pentecostal preacher in North Carolina today because somebody drug him to the house of God. Come on, somebody. 
And I'm not advocating today that we go gag and tie people and, and we drag them in here for Pastor Jeff every Sunday. But I am saying, God, we've got to go and convince them. God, this is my brother. We're, for this, we're the same height. Hallelujah. But different nations. But he's my brother. And God, I love my brother. God, I brought him to church this morning. Please anoint the pastor this morning. And God, that he's going to get saved. I brought him here, God. Let him get saved. We say, God, here's my neighbor. And I love him, God. God, please touch my neighbor. I brought him to church this morning. Anoint Pastor Jeff. And God, let him... I love you. God, anoint my neighbor. And then we can say, God, here's my friend. And I brought Brother Mustache. I brought him up here, God. God, please don't let him go to hell. Touch his heart while Pastor Jeff is preaching. Let him be saved. And one friend at a time, one neighbor at a time, one family member at a time, if we'll drag him into this house every Sunday and get him under the anointing of this worship and under the anointing of the preaching of the man of God, the power of God will save them, the power of God will change them, and the power of God will deliver them. Come on, shout like you mean that. God will change them if we'll get them in here. God will change them if we will just do our part to go and get them and compel them. The reason a lot of people don't get saved in many churches in America today is because there's no lost people sitting in there. It's all Christians. But if we'll say, I'm never going back to church again unless I have somebody coming with me. That I'm going to get my neighbor, I'm going to get my friend, I'm going to get my brother, and we're going to come to the house of God. Yes? Would you give these guys a great big hand for helping us? Come on, musicians. Listen, I want to ask you this. The Bible says they lost their place at the banquet simply because they expected so little, they let the excuses get in the way, and they became everything they never thought they would. I want to ask you today, what excuse is the enemy using against you? See, what we say is, in America is, well, God's a loving God. God will forgive me. I can do whatever I want to. But God is a God of love and He'll forgive me. God is a God of love. But it's very dangerous to just believe that God is obligated to forgive you. And I want you to understand that it, it takes our approach toward Him to say, God, would you forgive me? Yes. He said, ask and it will be. Seek and you will. He said, knock on that door and it will be open. What about you? What excuse is stopping you from living for God today? Maybe the enemy's screaming in your ear. You've taken too many drugs. You've tried to serve God and you've fallen down every time. Every time you try to do things right, you fall apart. God, the enemy whispers, you'll never make it. You'll never do it. God says, I can change it today. I can heal your heart today and break the excuses off of you. Would everybody bow your heads with me? Nobody looking around for just a minute? Nobody's told you they love you today. Let me tell you that Jesus loves you. He's not mad at you. He doesn't hate you. He loves you. But He loves you too much to leave you where you are. So ask yourself this question. If you died today, if today was your last day on this planet, do you know that you know that you know that you'd be in heaven with Jesus? It's a really important question. And everybody's going to have to answer this question whether they think they will or not. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that to face the judgment. What about you? If you were killed in an automobile accident this afternoon that happens every day here in the Metroplex, do you know that you know that you know that you'd be in heaven with Jesus? What if it was a horrible tornado that came through one of these storms that we have in the Metroplex and you were tragically killed? Do you know that you know that you'd be in heaven with Jesus? What if it was one of these drive-by shootings that we're having more and more in our culture. Do you know that you'd be in heaven with Jesus?
They're screaming in hell right now, begging us to listen. It's too late for those in hell. They've already made their decisions. It's not too late for you and me in this room. I don't care how many drugs you've taken, how many things you've done wrong, how many, how many places you've been, and what mistakes you've made. Jesus has come to me, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Pray, Christians. If you're a Christian, somebody's life is in the balance. I need you to pray right now. You may never hear another message like this. The Bible promises a lot. It just doesn't promise tomorrow. You may never be this close to the kingdom of God ever again. I see people every week that walk out of buildings. And, they, and then I hear about they were killed in an automobile accident. They were killed in a horrible situation that took place in their life. You may never have another chance, but right now, today is the day of salvation. If there's even the inkling in your heart that something is wrong in your life with God, and you're not where you should be with God, I wouldn't leave this building until you get it right with Him. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, ask yourself, God, are you talking to me? You're the only person I'm talking to, young lady, young man, mom or dad. Guess here's somebody watching online. Wherever you are, God can touch you. Ask yourself, if I die today, do I know that I know that I know I'd be in heaven with Jesus? If there's even the thought that things are wrong, I wouldn't leave here without getting that right with God. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, young lady, young man, mom or dad, guest here, if you say, Pastor Johnny, that's me, I'm not where I should be with God, and I don't want to play games with my eternity, I don't want to go to hell, I don't want to just sit in a building and think that that's all that I need to do, I need to get closer to God today, would you include me in that final prayer? I beg of you, no matter who's sitting on your right and left, no matter who's in front of you and behind you, this is not between you and anybody else. Pray, Christians, all over this room. If that's you, no matter who, you, this is not between the person sitting next to you or the people around you. This is between you and God. And you're going to stand before an eternal God one day. Will you be ready for that? Or will the excuses get in the way? Throw the excuses off today and say, Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, come close to me that I need a change in my life. If that's you anywhere in this room, no matter who's sitting around you, you say, Brother Johnny, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to play games with my future. But I know I'm not where I should be with God. And I, and I need to get closer to Jesus today. Would you include me in that final prayer? No matter what's been in your past, no matter who's sitting around you right now, God is knocking on someone's heart's door right now. He's saying, let me in. Let me in. This is not a game. This is eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. There is no in-between. So if this is you here today, man, we're calling on you. Don't play games with your future. If that is you and you, you and you say, I know I'm not where I should be with God. I can fool everybody else. I can fool my friends. I can fool my family. I can fool my pastors. I might even fool the police. But I can tell you this, you'll never fool God. So if that's you and in this room, you say, you know what? I'm tired of playing the game. I need to get closer to God. Please pray for me today before you leave. When I count to three, if that's you, no matter who's on your right and left, no matter who's in front of you or behind you, when I count to three, you raise your hand. Shove it down the devil's throat. Here we go. One, two, three. Raise it now. Yes, yes, yes. I see you, ma'am. I see you, sir. Yes, all the way back there in the back. I see you. I see you, young lady. I see you, young man. I see you, young man. I see you, sir. I see you, sir. Hallelujah. I see you, ma'am. I see you back there in the back, young man. I see you. Hallelujah. I see you, ma'am. You can put your hands down. The Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice over one who comes close to Christ. We believe a party just kicked off in heaven for every person to just raise their hand. Maybe you're here and, and you say, you know what? I should have raised my hand with these other 25 or 30 people, but I'm not where I should be with God. I'm begging you right now, please. The, this may be the last chance you ever get to hear this. 
Please don't miss this moment. If you're here and you say, I'm not where I should be with God and I've got to get closer to Him. I've got to give my life to Him. And I don't want to go to hell. I want to make sure that heaven is my future. I don't want to lose my place at the banquet. And I should have raised my hand if you didn't raise it a moment ago when I count to three. I beg of you, from the back to the front and side to side, or if you're watching online, you pray right now. If, I, if that's you anywhere and you didn't raise your hand a moment ago, when I count to three, raise it right now. Here we go. One, two, three. Anybody else? I see you, sir. I see you, sir. I see you, sir. I see you, sir. I see you, young lady. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Come on, get my attention. I see you, son. I see you, son. I see you back there. Anybody else? Get my attention. Say, pray for me, Brother Johnny. Pray for me. I've got to get closer to Jesus today. Hallelujah. You can put your hands down. Father, I've done everything you told me to do. Now, Lord, give the increase. Help me decrease. And let your great plan be accomplished. Now, we pray in Jesus' name. Would everybody stand with me, please? Nobody leaving for just a moment, if you can. Pastor will come in just a few minutes, and he'll dismiss us. Look at me, if you would. And you just play if you don't mind. Just play. Look at me if you would. Those of you that raise your hands, I know who you are. You know who you are. God knows who you are. And the devil knows who you are. The first step was to raise your hand. The second step is to acknowledge God publicly. Everybody Jesus called in the Bible, He called publicly. And He said, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. So if that's you anywhere in this room, all across this room right now. And you say, you know what, Brother Johnny? I know that God has called me. And today I want to publicly, I'm going to ask you in just a moment, when I count to three, come and stand in this altar with me and we're going to pray a prayer over you and ask that God will break every chain off of your life and that you walk out free and a new creation in the name of Jesus. Is that right, church? And we're going to believe that for you. I'd like for everybody in this room to turn and look at someone next to you and say, if you need to go get closer to Jesus today, I'll go up there with you. Would you turn and ask somebody? Just turn and ask somebody right now. Just turn and ask someone. If you need to go get closer to Jesus, I'll go up there with you. Now look at me if you would. Every person that raised their hand. If you're serious about this, you'll do it. If you're not, it's just another religious thing. Every person that raised their hand, take the second bold step. And when I count to three... You come right now, and today is a new beginning. All the way to the back. Those right here, those all the way to the back. Every person that raised their hand, step out. Get a friend. They'll come with you. You come right now. One, two, three. Come on right now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Get out of your seat. All the way to the back. Those little boys. I'm waiting on you. Back to the side. Come on. All the way around this room. Don't wait. Get out of your seat. Get a friend to come with you. Come on. Don't wait. All the way to the back. All the way to the back. Those on the side. I'm waiting for you, sir. 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 Come on, clap for them till they get here. I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. Come on, right now. Come on. Come and stand right here in this altar. Come on, keep coming. Keep coming. Every person that raised their hand. Move in here real close. Move in here real close. Move in here real close. Can some of you come around to the side, and on both sides, and, and so we can see this? When I started preaching today, I was reaching out to you, man of God. When you were sitting back there, I said, Lord, you have a new work you want to do in his heart. And the Lord said, you pray for him. I've been praying for you the whole time I've been preaching. And he said, tell him today's a new beginning. And everything can be washed away. And God can start new. And he is strong enough to help you overcome every enemy today. 
If you have a family member or a friend up here, come stand with them. If you have a family member or a friend up here, come and stand with them. And can I get everybody else in the building to step out of your seat? Just step out of your seat. Come on. Everybody in the building. I know you don't typically do this. But can I get everybody in the building to step out? And we're going to build a wall of prayer around these right now. We're going to build a wall of prayer. Please don't leave. Come right down here. We're going to pray right now that God is going to establish something. God's going to renew something. God's going to do His work right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so proud of you, man. I was fighting for you. That's why I picked you up. I didn't just pick you out of the crowd because you were short. I picked you out of the crowd because the Lord said, I'm doing something in His heart. And I'm changing Him. When I saw you raise your hand, it was like the glory of God was coming over you to say, I can change you. And God brought you here today because this is not just going to change you. It's going to change your family. It's going to change your family. And all the hurt and all the pain, God says, I can restore and I can repair. All the things that you've been through, man, all the things that you've been through, that it's hard for you to trust anybody because you've been so wounded. And it's hard to follow anybody. But the Lord said He'll never wound you. Trust in the Lord and He will show you what He's called you to be today. And all the pain of your past can wash away every person standing here right now, every mistake of your yesterday. I've made so many mistakes, I shouldn't be on this platform. I should be dead, but look at me. You're worth more than what some boy thinks. You're worth more than what your friends think. You're worth what God thinks. And you've given God this much, but He wants everything. And if you'll sell out to God today, He will show you all the great things He can do in your life. Look at me, sweetheart. The tears are to heal you and to wash you today. And God says, I can set you free. I can break every chain. I can help you start over. I wish I'd done it when I was as young as this little boy. I waited till I was 16 and I wasted years. But God's washed me clean and He can do it for every person standing in this altar right now. And no matter what's behind you, sweetheart, no matter what's behind you, His love is here for you today. Hallelujah. I want to lead you in a prayer. If you'll pray this prayer, look at me, man of God. You've had a lot of things go wrong in your life. And it feels like nobody ever cares about what you go through. And the enemy's even told you to kill yourself. You've heard those lies. But God says live for Him. Live for Him and be the man of God. God's called you to be a man of God. This is a turning today. This is a turning and a new beginning that God says I can make it new. I can make it new. I can make it new. Is that right, church? Can God do that? Would everybody stretch your hands this way? Would everybody stretch your hands toward these? And if you're close enough to these in the altar, would you just reach over and touch them on the shoulder? Would everybody pray this out loud now so nobody be embarrassed? If you're watching at home, you pray this prayer and God can touch you right where you are. Everybody pray this out loud now, would you? Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I know it was my sins that nailed you on that cross. And I'm sorry, Lord. Please forgive me. I say with my mouth that Jesus is the Christ. And I do believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. I give you my past, all of my mistakes, all of my hurt, all of my pain, all of my sin. I give you my future, everything I will ever become. And I start over today a child of God. And I receive you now as my only Lord, as my only hope, as my only way to heaven. 
You died for me, Jesus. Help me live for you now for the rest of my life. No more excuses. Say it loud. No more excuses. Come on, shout it. No more excuses. God, break every chain and every lie. And Lord, break every word curse, every soul tie, every generational curse, every genetic curse. Loose them powers of hell. Loose them powers of hell. They're a new creation. Come on. Those that prayed that prayer, we believe by God's grace you're going to stay in this church. You're going to grow in this church. You're going to become a disciple of Christ. And you're going to be what God's called you to be. Today is a new beginning for the rest of your life in Jesus' name. Can we give these that prayed that prayer a standing ovation, church? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Let me tell you something. I want to give you three instructions, just simple instructions. Number one, get baptized in water. There's somebody back over here. You know you were supposed to be down here with them, but just know that God is hearing you today as well. He can change it today. My brother right there, run up here real quick with the beard. Brother Longbeard, yeah, run up here. Let him get through here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to hear this man for just a moment, and I want you to hear what happened yesterday. He went out with us going to businesses yesterday because the love of God has consumed him that a year ago, after 40 years of wandering from God, he came back to the Lord a year ago. And this church has healed him. This church has set him free. And God has changed his life. And look at me. We don't want you to lose 40 years of your life. He knew the things of God and walked away from them. But aren't you glad he came back home? Come on, somebody. Aren't you glad? Hallelujah. I'm just telling you, today is a new beginning of what God wants to do in your heart. Let me give you three instructions. All of you that came forward today, you know who you are. Follow up with this, with water baptism. Jesus said, repent and be baptized. So you're turning from something today. Get baptized. Praying a prayer doesn't get you to heaven. People pray in every religion. But repentance and turning to God changes everything. So get baptized in water. Maybe you did it before, but it, maybe it didn't work the first time. All right? So I, I didn't understand it the first time for me either. It's dying in a watery grave to rise up in resurrection life with identification that I'm a child of God and I will live for Jesus for the rest of my life. I'll never be ashamed of Him. Second thing is, if there's something in your house that you know is wrong with God, if it's drugs or alcohol or porn or if there's something on your computer, if there's something in your house, burn it, trash it, flush it because demons are attached to it and it will harm you. Third thing is, if you're in a relationship that's not a godly relationship, the pastors of this church will help you navigate that so that you bring that relationship under the authority of the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Can you come up here real quick? You're going to forget a lot of things that were said today, but hopefully you won't forget this. And maybe you're going to say, why did that, that preacher have that guy on his shoulder? And it's to remind you. How many of you know somebody who's not a Christian? Hold your hand up. Listen to me. This is your responsibility. Do you hear me, church? This is your response. Pastor Jeff can't build this church. He's an amazing leader with beautiful hair. But I want you to understand, he cannot build this church. If we bring them in, if every one of us will bring them in every Sunday and listen to this worship and get under his preaching, they're going to get saved, they're going to get healed, they're going to get set free. So go get them and compel them to come in so that the house of God will be full. You're never going to forget today. Hallelujah. Sister, Sister Goldilocks, run up here. Run up here.
Come here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come here. Come up here with me. I was looking for you. I thought you'd left. Let me tell you something. While I was preaching, the Lord said, I'm putting my hand on her. And just like you feel my hand on your head, the Lord has put his hand on your head. He's called you. He has separated you. And you're a leader. You know you're a leader. You're an influencer. And God said while I was watching you over there while I was preaching, he said, call that leadership anointing to life that you're going to influence so many people for the cause of Christ. And they will follow you all the way in here if you will lead them. Can you do that? Will you do that? What is your name? Jacqueline. Stretch your hands toward Jacqueline. Come on, would you pray for her right now, Father? I lay my hands. Pastor Jeff, would you come lay your hand on her? That's your pastor laying his hand on you right now. Father, let the anointing of the Holy Spirit come on Jacqueline, and she's going to be a mighty leader for the cause of Christ. She's going to be a witness for the name of Jesus. And lives are going to be set free that are on their way to a devil's hell. And you're going to interrupt their agenda on their way to destruction. And you're going to bring them to life in Jesus' name. Listen to me. I felt that right then when I just prayed. There are people that you know that are on their way to a devil's hell. And God wants to use you to interrupt them. Listen, this thing is winding down, church. Do you hear me? This thing is coming to the end of time. This is no longer just religious nice services. That we've got to pluck them out of the gates of hell and bring them into the house of God. If you know somebody, I'm going to ask you to invite them tonight to this drama. Go and compel them to come in. And let's believe God that many will be saved tonight. And many will come to faith in Christ. And for all of these that are standing in this altar, we hope that you feel the love of God. Do you? That is love. Does it feel good to get free? Does it feel good to take a washing in the Lord? Hold your hand up, lady. Yeah. That this is a new beginning for you. Is this your church? Yeah. God's saying, I'm doing something in your family. And your whole family is going to see it. Hallelujah. Follow the Lord in these things and Pastor Jeff will help you. Let me ask you to help me with one thing and then Pastor Jeff will tell you. He said, I could just share one minute about what our ministry does. And he's going to receive an offering to help us. How many believe I'm an evangelist? (laughs) I I think if you look up the, the dictionary, the word evangelist, my picture is right next to it. It used to be Billy Graham's, but it's mine now. And, and I've asked the Lord, when Billy Graham died, I quietly bowed my head when I heard the announcement. And I said, oh God, would you give me a portion of his mantle? Would you just give me a portion of his mantle? And I believe the Lord heard me. And we're seeing so many people being saved every week all over the country. These are dark times, but let me tell you, the dark's getting darker, but the light is getting brighter. And God is roaring. God is roaring over his people and we work with churches all over the country and they're this close to closing did you hear what I just said can you imagine what this community would miss if this church was not here think of the hope you're giving to so many families and the life you're giving to so many families if it was not here can you even imagine what would be lost and we're closing churches all over the country faster than we're opening them did you hear that Churches that used to be churches are now restaurants, they're bars, or they've torn them down and built apartments that used to house the voice of the Lord. And we're begging leaders, don't close that door to you. Let us as an evangelist come in there with you to go do outreaches like we did yesterday. If you were in the outreach yesterday, hold your hand up real high. Real high. Look around the room. All of these that were part of the outreach yesterday. And we visited people to love on them and invite them to this house. And maybe you're one of them and we love you. But the reason we have to go to these churches, we can't go until we get the resources. And it takes about $3,000 per church 
to help see these churches turn around. And I've got 30 churches I'm trying to help right now. We're trying to raise $25,000 right now. Maybe you own a business and your business could sow a seed. Well, I promise you I'm not lazy. I work very, very hard and I'll take your resources. You can invest in a lot of things, but there's nothing you can invest in better than souls for the kingdom of God. And I promise you, if, if you believe in what you've heard today, we do this every week. And if you'll sow into it, I promise you, you'll share the same reward because the sender gets the same reward as the one who goes. And you might not go to these cities, but people are going to thank you in heaven and say thank you for sending Johnny Jernigan to tell us about Jesus so that we could be free. Amen? So would you just ask the Lord, what's your part? And would you give it today? Boy, we, we, we can't go to these churches until we get the money to do it. Does that make sense? We just have to have the resources. We have to rent hotel rooms, pay for gasoline and flights and printed materials. And so if you can help us, we need it today. Everybody smile and say, I love Amen. the little preacher. Amen. I think he's a sweet little man. Amen. Here's what we want to do, everybody. Um, the, the ushers are going to be at the doors. If you want to write out a check, it's Johnny Jernigan Ministries. That's all. Very simple. And I would encourage you to give towards it. Because we do need, listen, we need soul saved. Those of you that came down in the invitation, I'm still, I'm looking at your faces. Some of you are still weeping in the presence of God. You've been touched. We want to be sure you don't get out of here until we give you something very special. One of these new believer uh, bags. And uh, then if you would just simply uh, fill out one of these real quick cards so we can get your name so we can pray for you. But if you came in the invitation, I want you to go this way. This way towards Charles. Raise your hand, Charles. Uh, and, and I guess I'm going to have to clear people out from over here unless you came in the invitation. But please go that way and let them give you one of these bags. We want, we want you to have something to take home with you. So I need some ushers to help them go. Can I get some ushers? Johnny, uh, can you help them get over there? Uh, help direct these folks over there. And the rest of you, give into the offering as they stand at the door. God bless you. Thank you for coming. You're dismissed. Amen.